Welcome to Bruin Source. This is Ed. This is Kevin. Uh, we are back, and we are back after two two victories. Uh, after uh, what felt like an eternity of losing games, even though it was really only like a week uh, where we lost two games, we are finally back in the win column with two wins against the um, Washington schools who came into Poly this past week. And uh, we took care of business, and it was it was good to see that. Uh, what did what did you see in these games, Kevin? I guess we can start with uh, Washington on uh, that happened last Thursday. I guess just before uh, I start on that, as you went through what you just said there about how it felt like an eternity of losing, I guess a part of me is happy that we are in that in this position now, where losing two games in a row to. Essentially, you know, one's going to be a, a, a top seed in the tournament, and the other one's going, probably going to be a tournament team at this point. Uh, that that feels like the sky is falling. I'm happy we're in that position now, as opposed to some of the other positions we've been in in the past. Um, and both on the road too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they weren't fun when they were there, but anyways, how 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 some things have turned. But in any case, these these games right here. Um, yeah, Washington. That was this was a weird game. Uh, the unlike some of our previous games, we got off to a much better start against Washington. Um, it looked like early on the shooting boots were on, and the first half obviously got off to a very big lead. But that second half, I, I thought we played worse that second half than we played against SC in the second half, and that's really saying something there. Um, you know, I, I think what we learned from the Washington and the USC games is that Cronin math it goes both ways. Um, you know, when, when we have the math in our favor and we're turning other teams over and we're getting rebounds, we're not turning the ball over. Even when we're shooting so badly, we have a chance to win. But when we are the ones doing the turnovers and we're the ones not rebounding and all that, um, yeah, it's it doesn't look good. It's bad. Uh, and it's, it, it's only because this was Washington with, I mean, I, I think it's one of the worst coaches in our league, Mike Hopkins. Um, that, that first half, right? I mean, you could see everything that was happening. Um, you, you, Hawkins was just sitting there, turning around, pulling up pretty much whenever he wanted. And that in the first half, what did Mike Hopkins do? He sat on his thumbs and did nothing. And in the second half, he changed it up a bit and they pushed the pressure, pressure up on Hawkins and looks like we didn't have a solution there. Um, but really it's because we were playing against a completely incompetent team like Washington that we got away with this one. Um, in that second half, uh, but yeah, that was a, that was a tough half to watch. Yeah, it was it was another example of a second half semi meltdown. I'll call it a semi meltdown because we didn't lose the game, so <laughs> at least there's that. But yeah, it was the same thing. We did not adjust in the second half, and the other team did. And when those sh- uh, shots weren't dropping. Our defensive effort and defensive intensity just didn't um, didn't stay to the level it needed to to keep us in that game uh, to to the degree it should have been. And I think what we saw, and I I will give Washington a little bit of credit here in that second half because they did change up their zone just a little bit yeah. and enough to where they they threw us off and we just didn't respond well. Is in that first half, Jaime basically was able to sit at that half, um, the uh, free throw line, as you pointed out, and we could either get him the ball, and he was basically busting their zone and shooting, 
or were able to pass out of that. And we had guys cutting to the basket from there, from that point on, that, and gave, giving him options to pass to. They ended up dropping somebody into that into that area in the second half where Jaime was basically camped out all the first half. And we just we couldn't figure it out for long stretches of the game. We went back into, hey, let's pass the ball around the perimeter and ISO with uh, Tiger or Jaime and try to um, take a bad shot basically with like three seconds left for a large part of that second half. And that just isn't going to cut it. Again, Washington, not a good team. Um, just they couldn't capitalize on it. The other thing that we did horribly in this game is turn the ball over. We had, what, 18 turnovers this game, I think, which was the highest of the season. That's against a better team is going to spell death. Like, that's just, there's no other way about it. Like, we're going to lose against a better team if we turn over the ball that way. Washington is just so bad that they just again, could not do anything with this. So we dodged a bullet there a little bit, even with low effort. And it was a little disconcerting to see a team after, you know, getting whooped two games in a row, a team that was supposed to have this kind of leadership with Jaime, with uh, Tiger coming back, with Jalen, you know, some of these guys who have seen a lot of games and have been to Final Four. To see them with that low level of effort coming into this game was worrisome to me. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was not what I was expecting from this team. Yeah. uh, Frankly. The last, and we're talking about till the end of the Washington game here, those three halves of basketball, uh, you know, it, it basically, it told us what we all knew. If our best players, which is Tiger, Jaime Jaquez, and Jalen Clark, if they're going to be the ones dealing around and turning the ball over and playing loosey-goosey, then we are going nowhere. Um, and it sounds like a pretty obvious thing to say, but that's essentially how this played out. I mean, it, Tiger was was freely giving the ball away on in, in ways that he never does. Um, Jaime Jaquez had four turnovers. Jalen Clark once again getting you know a little little selfish when when his shot isn't falling. If if those guys are not going to be on their game. They're the they're the trendsetters here. We're not going anywhere. And and Mick said as much after the game. Mick was 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 real upset after the game. And and it's funny he he was upset in a very different way. He wasn't out there trying to you know call out the players or any of that stuff like that. That wasn't what he was trying to do. Um, but it was clear he was really unhappy. And yet he was getting on the media members out there that were asking the questions and such about hey well. I know we didn't play well, but you know what? You should all be happy because we're 18 and four and, and this and that. And all that stuff put together, it, it had me a little worried at the end of the Washington game of, you know, we just lost two games. We haven't looked good for quite a while. And it looked like, you know, for just a, just a hot moment there, our, our coach was feeling the pressure too. Cause, cause he, he probably feels what we all feel, right? If we're fans and we want, we're trying to be selfish with this season. You know, he, he probably feels that too. And, yeah, all, all that had me pretty concerned at the end of the Washington game. I'll give one bright spot from this game, though. I thought Amari Bailey came back and looked pretty good Oh yeah, for most of this game. I think we were finally starting to see him coming off that injury, getting comfortable again, uh, and kind of getting into a little bit more of a rhythm. He hit some big threes in this game, so that is hopefully going to become a bigger weapon as we progress in this season. 
he showed the ability to create his shot. He didn't always, you know, hit the shot or, or sink it, but he's creating separation and getting good shots off. Uh, and again, his defense has been largely pretty good, especially for a freshman. And he just brings that level of athleticism that I, the team lacks when he's not on the, the court. Uh, from a second guy, at least. I know Jalen Clark is, is a pretty athletic guy himself, but he, Amari kind of has a different feel to him. He looks and feels and plays like an NBA player. And again, he's still unpolished, but you can see underneath some of that rust and some of that rawness that what he can be. And I think we're starting to see the, the light turn on for him a little bit more, especially after the injury. Um, and jumping into now the Wazoo game, which personally, I was actually terrified. I, I thought we were going to lose this game for sure. Um, having watched Wazoo play a bunch of times now this season, like they're they are a pretty good team. Um, but I think Amari carried that good play into that game. And actually, the team seemed to have kind of woken up against Wazoo for, for the most part. We actually saw UCLA finally play a good full I won't, won't say 100% 40 minutes, but like 35 minutes of good basketball that we've seen earlier in the season. Like, it finally felt like, okay, we're kind of stepping out of this funk a little bit. Yeah, there was a moment, I think, in that uh, the first half, I thought, you know, UCLA played overall pretty good. Like you said, Washington State, especially after the the rough start to their season. They've been in a lot of close games this year. Um, they've been really competitive in pretty much every game they've played until this one. And that second half, they came out, they started to hit a couple shots. I think they cut the lead to about six or seven there. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, this is, this is either going to be the point when we're, they're going to, we're, we're going to see yet <laughs> another big again. run, you know, and <laughs> Here goes all the turnovers and, and all the stuff that we've seen over the last, you know, month. And credit to the team. Credit to our leaders, uh, to Jaime Hawkes, to, to Tiger Campbell. And like you said, to Amari Bailey, um, for not allowing that to happen this time and, and stepping it up, taking the pressure up a notch. The other guy I thought that was really great in, in the Washington State game, Adem Bona, I thought was, was the player of the game. His stats are not going to show it. But Odem Bona on Muhammad Gay, who is a surefire NBA player, completely held his own, um, completely had him out completely of sorts. Completely shut him down. Yeah, had him out of sorts the whole game. He only has three blocks in the stat sheet, but as Mick said after the game, it felt like he, he altered or changed almost every shot that went near the rim. I mean, guys were, like, getting near the rim and then falling away to shoot all of a sudden because they've seen Odem Bona block, like, three shots in four plays or so. So, I mean, his presence was big. His uh, That, I thought, was a Dan Bona stepping up against a legit big that's going to be playing at the next level on the other side. Um, and that was really encouraging to see. Also got to play 29 minutes because he was in foul trouble. So that was also extremely encouraging. The other thing I thought that was really good from the Washington State game, um, just an overall couple of, of trends, uh, it looked like we had an emphasis to shoot more threes in this game, uh, especially from Jaime Jaquez. And as, like you mentioned, Amari Bailey has been given the green light from Mick uh, to just start shooting, go create, to shoot from three, to create your own shot, get to the rim, whatever you think you can do. Um, but overall, just to shoot more threes, because I mean, if, we, if, if anyone's been watching us for the past month and a half, 
we're about as good at threes as we are these like mid-range twos at the end of the shot clock. So might as well like you know step them out there a little bit and and let it fly because we can at least get these shots off. Um, now I don't think that's going to solve all of our problems. I, I do think we're going to see some some offensive lulls here, but I think the overall idea of stepping out, letting Jaime shoot more threes, let Bailey shoot some more threes, and at least you know if you're going to have a slump, the two or three that do go in are going to just add up for for more on you. So I thought that was a good trend. Also, the other good trend I thought was pushing the pace a little bit off of turnovers and rebounds. I know that Mick wanted to place the emphasis on turnovers in this game to, to not turn it over, and we did that to, to, to some extent here. But pushing the pace a little bit to see if we can get some easy baskets before the defense is set, I think those those two things are good changes in the framework of the offense we have. Because I go back to this, we're not changing the offense. It's not a mixed wheelhouse. It's not at the time or place to do it so late in the season. So within that, what can we do? And I thought these were two good changes. Yeah, I agree. I think our our defense generates so many turnovers, and if we can leak out and run a little bit, I think it's a good good positive thing to do. That being said, sometimes we look ugly in transition. <laughs> like there was one play in this Washington State game, I think that we had four on one, and we managed to turn the ball over in the first half. So. I get we probably we have not been really emphasizing that and running the way we might have uh, wanted to, and if we are going to start trying to pull, put that into the game, put that into our offensive DNA, then we need to practice that a little bit more, and hopefully we can polish that up. But I agree largely. I think this was a, a good, uh, good trend to see with this team, especially you know Jalen Clark. As much as he struggled, I think he came out of his shell a little bit in this game. He played largely good defense. He was, again, all over the place, you know, deflecting balls, uh, generating steals. Um, and his his shot seemed to be dropping a little bit more this game. Uh, he seemed to be a little bit more confident. So if we, we have guys like that who can generate turnovers, get quick buckets, like we need to be able to capitalize on that. I think we would be remiss to not call out Jaime Hawkes specifically uh, in this game. 24 and 15 rebounds. He played a fantastic game. I, I don't think there's any uh, other way about it. Like That was a performance that I think we have been expecting from him every single game, um, which might be unfair because he's still you know averaging, uh, you know, his scoring well, but... Sometimes it feels quiet, and that was a game. It felt like a statement from him coming out and just, you know, largely dominating large stretches of this game, rebounding the ball really well, scoring from three uh, consistently and, and efficiently. Uh, I thought this was a great game from him, and, and if he's rounding out into form now at, at, in February going into March, uh, that just is great news for UCLA as a whole, I think, if he can keep this level of play up now, kind of going into the, the final stretch of the season. Um, I will also comment, like, the the effort level, the energy just seemed much better from the team. Um, you know, Adem Bona feels like that guy who comes in, and he just, for, for some, whatever reason, he just comes in and it seems to inject a lot of energy, especially when he's playing well. Uh, and I, I like to, to see more of that energy from some of the other guys. Um, 
but I think just overall they looked more confident. They played with higher levels of effort and energy on both sides of the floor, and uh, it resulted in, again, a big win over a pretty good team. I think Washington State has been underrated. I know you mentioned they had some some bad, ugly losses early on in the season, but again, this is a team that beat Arizona at McHale. Uh, They've been in a lot of close games, and they have a legitimate NBA seven foot athletic guy on their team that has, you know, s- scored 30 points against SC the, the a couple nights before. So you know the type of guy he is and UCLA largely shut him shut him down, shut this team down and you know got an emphatic W here and it was it was really good to see that just from all aspects I think. Um, and hopefully we can keep carrying that on into the Oregon trip now. Yeah, I think a couple of things that have come out of this trip is on defense, it looks like we usually need that spark plug guy. In this game, it was Dave Singleton when he came into the game. Um, He got a few deflections, and then everyone wanted to get some deflections, and we got some turnovers that way. That was the first half. The second half was a Dembona. He got a couple of blocks. It it, it energized everyone up. Our, Our defense is... Is is all about deflections and turnovers. Uh, that that has to be an emphasis to get even better at now going forward. Because when the other team is just passing the ball around and such, I think our our on ball defense is good, but I wouldn't say it's completely elite. Uh, you know, Mari Bailey and Jalen Clark they can stay with their man, but when you have Tiger um, out there, it, it it's gonna there's there's only so long you can defend without creating some havoc. So I think deflections, turnovers, we really gotta make an emphasis of getting that. If we're not turning the team other team over, um, you know, it's gonna be hard for us to manufacture some easy shots ourselves, or to hold them to 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 a lower percentage. So I think that's the key to this defense. Um, the other thing is not just for you know Mari Bailey and and and. Uh, Adam Bona, whose who's development obviously is it's key to this team. We need to continue to see them make, taking steps, um, both for themselves and for the team. But our bench, uh, putting David Singleton back on the bench, uh, usually you know you look at our bench stats and you would say that you know what do we have this 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 game? It was 17 bench points, some of them coming in in, in garbage time. You, know, you might look at that sometimes and say like, oh, that's about an average amount. But for for, for UCLA, that's 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 a lot um, to have a guy like David Single to come off the bench. That seems to help a lot. But Dylan Andrews, I thought he played really well this game. His defense—it looks like he finally knows where he is on defense. He knows where to be, how to switch, how to rotate, all that stuff. I think him and Will McClendon, when he comes back, they have to set themselves a target of six to eight points every game. And not that they should be going out and, and throwing balls all over the air, but set yourself a small target there of six to eight points to get every single game and, and know what your go-to moves are. Because, again, that's, that, that's really the, the, the key to this, this offense right now. We can't have guys out there that are just left open. Washington State tried to do it this game. Um, they, tried to, they, they ran off Amari Bailey, and they ran off Jalen Clark a couple times, and they made him pay. So anybody that's on the floor they can't be given that treatment because that's what then allows teams to pack into Jaime and then guys get lost and starts to look ugly. Yeah, no, I think the bench absolutely needs to be utilized more. I, I, and I think 
it feels like uh, Mick Cronin is starting to trust a few of these guys a little more. Obviously, Dave Singleton being back on the bench is good news overall for this team, meaning Amari's back, but uh, he shot the ball better. He was 50% from three this game, uh, and he, uh, to your point, he played great defense coming off the bench, and I think that's the role he needs to be playing. He, you know, plays hard when he starts, but he just doesn't excel in that role. Uh, and that sixth man role is really, really w- perfect for him. Uh, and yeah, you know, Dylan needs to keep doing what he's doing. I think he is, he's a, one of those guys that comes in off the bench and again, inserts and injects a lot of energy with this team. I think you see him come in there and he's kind of flying all over the court and he's a fast kid. Um, and, and because of that, he pushes a little bit, tries, you know, to, especially if he can run the break, he, uh, you know, is is a little sloppy sometimes, but I, I think he just, he needs to be allowed to play through some of that because he's only going to get better. Um, we're seeing his shot drop a little bit more. Again, he shot 50% again in this game. Uh, and I think that's really important for these young guys to see their, their, um, their confidence built a little bit. And uh, it was interesting. We didn't see much Kenuba in this game. There was only nine minutes that he played. He did shoot uh, and make his one shot. And same with Mac Etienne, who played only two minutes. But if our bench bigs are only playing 11 minutes to a Dem bonus 29, I think we're in really good shape there <laughs> with, with the direction bonus going. I think that is a good sign, uh, but you know, I, I think overall, I was happy with how the bench played. I think we both have been clamoring for, hey, why are we not utilizing the guys on the bench? Why are we not utilizing guys on the bench? And we're kind of starting to see some utilization a little more than we have. And again, McClendon is is injured again. He was not available th- this week. He did dress for both games. He was on the bench dressed, but he did not play. Uh, so just, again, the bench will get better. We just need to give them opportunities, give them game minutes when we can, and let them develop. And hopefully this is a sign of things to come. Because if we can get this bench playing at a, a little bit of a higher level come end of February and March, it is just going to propel this team a lot further, I think. Um but let's let's see. Uh, I feel like we've said this about Mick Cronin this, this season before, too. Like, oh, it looks like the bench is actually going to start playing, and then we see uh, zero bench activity for the next game or two. So yeah, this this I one will, wouldn't make sense yeah. though to me. I mean, Dylan Andrews seems like he's earned his time. Uh, he he's earned his way into the the quote unquote circle of trust to get anywhere between ten to fifteen minutes at this point because he's not a high turnover guy anymore. Um, he's, it looks like he's found his way on defense and overall, if you let him play, he can be a net positive on the other end too. So at this point, whatever small mistakes he's making, like the other guys are making them too. So whatever levels of mistake he's making, I mean, it it just seems like there, there's no reason at this point to not get him at least 10 to 15 minutes, uh, going forward. Cause, cause his talent level is one where if we develop it a bit more, and again, he can hit that target of just injecting a little bit more scoring in there, that can definitely elevate us to another level because it just it just adds another dimension that another team has to prepare for. 
Speaking of other dimensions, can we can we quickly talk about Mac Etienne's like mid range jumper <laughs> that he took in this game? Holy a- shit, that was smooth. Where Wait. did that come from? Yeah. His free throw stroke looked good too. He got to the line once, I think, right? He did. Yeah. Yeah, he did. I he he uh when he turned around and spotted up and just sh- jump shot that, I was like, Whoa. I didn't know he could do that. And it looked good. Like I was I was literally in shock. Yeah, man. Like if is that something he could bring to the table? Because if so, like, let's get him in the game more. And maybe that's just a sign of him getting more comfortable. I think that's, again, another good sign. I know I've been clamoring for more PT for him, but I, I, I don't have any insight into his health, obviously. But that, he looked like he moved a little better and was able to hit a very, very smooth jumper uh, from the mid-range there. So uh, I, I was like, whoa. This is this is wild. I was not expecting that. Yeah, I wonder if this is the weekend where he can get a little bit more time because because he usually will struggle if he has to play against a team where he'll get switched on to maybe a quicker player or a guard or something. And, he, and it, I guess he still can't really move around uh, just quite yet. So that maybe this weekend against Oregon where they have a lot of big guys to match up against maybe is his sweet spot. We'll see, but. But I'm with you, man. I mean, that little mid-range jumper and whatever he's able to do, blocking shots and getting rebounds, like, uh, he he better literally have rocks on his feet to be playing, not be playing over Ken Nuba at this point. Just from what, whatever whatever little you see, I mean. <laughs> anyways, I don't I don't want to to to, harp, to bang too much on other on on some of these guys, but Mac clearly like he's added some things that that our other backup bigs don't bring to the table. Look, I know it was garbage time, but he played two minutes. He had that beautiful mid-range jumper, and he had two rebounds plus a free throw. So that's a that's an efficient two minutes, I will say, even if it's garbage time. I will I will give him that. And, um, you know, that, that jumper looked positively Cody Riley-esque, man. It was... <laughs> It was out of left field, but I loved it. Um, and speaking of bench, it was finally nice to see a game, which, again, feels like months now, where we got to see uh, the walk-ons come in at home and against a pretty good team. So that was that was welcome news. But, um, yeah, now we, we go back on the road again up to the Oregon schools. Uh, again, I think we hope we can sweep this this uh, road trip we absolutely need to sweep this road trip because of the Pac-12 standings and Oregon State is well pretty pitiful I would say I would say like I yeah it's a bottom of the barrel Pac-12 team right now and I, I regardless of that we shouldn't be overlooking them um We've seen that happen before. We've seen this Oregon trip be a huge issue for UCLA in the past, and we we just shouldn't overlook a, any other opponents. But, again, Oregon State is as bad as they come this year, I think, in the Pac-12. And so that game hopefully does not present as too many issues. But I will say I am worried about Oregon on the road, as bad and up and down as they've been this year. So a quick nod to the Pac-12 race. We maintain our 
It's currently a half a game advantage, but it's only because we've played one less game than Arizona. It's effectively a one game advantage uh, over Arizona right now. And here is the unfortunate news on this. Uh, the, the way the Pac-12 tiebreakers work, let's say that you know we were to beat Arizona and that tiebreaker, the head-to-head tiebreaker essentially is a wash. Then the next tiebreaker becomes your record against the next best place team. And so there is a scenario here, very likely, where Arizona, I mean, I, I, I really find it hard to, to see a game in here that they're going to lose before the trip to L.A., um, they, they got Cal and Stanford. Talk about, you know, bad teams. Cal, Stanford, and Oregon State, they're really putting on an encore for worst team in the league right now. Uh, you know, Cal's got two wins. Oregon State's got three wins. Stanford's got four wins. And who's going to make it to the end losing as much as they can? We'll see. Um, on that note, I did watch the Cal-Stanford game a couple weeks ago, and that was a thing of absolute beauty from a just disaster perspective like Stanford somehow won that game by nearly 30 points and it was it was wild to watch but anyways I digress so Arizona's gonna play those two this week Cal and Stanford right Uh, and then they got three home games I I don't see how they lose before the LA trip so I say all this to say there's a great scenario or not great scenario where they're gonna win out until they play UCLA and in that scenario, we basically can only lose one more time if we want to effectively keep our advantage. Um, and so, yes, a sweep this week becomes pretty much a requirement. Now, look, against Oregon State, we shouldn't overlook anyone. But but honestly, this is the kind of game, middle of the season, where whether we win by one or win by 31, I, I don't, I'm not sure it's, it's going to matter. I mean, hopefully we can put in a good performance because, again, we, we want to stack up good games one on top of another to build those habits back. But again, really, it's it's about this game to Oregon, and I'm going to tell you this. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to go a step further than you on this one. I, I I actually see very little hope actually in this trip to Oregon. I feel crazy saying it. I I really do. But I I'm not confident going into Oregon right now. They they've just had our number. It's always a fist fight when we play them, and they have the personnel to give us trouble. And we saw it the first time. They're long and athletic. They're long and athletic. We saw it the first time. You know, we were really struggling to get some shots off, and in the end we won and we were at home and whatnot. But they got a lot of big guys who can get Bona into foul trouble, starting with Dante, but they got a lot of, a lot of other ones too, Khalil Ware, Nate Biddle. And their guards are such where they're streaky, but they can get hot. Uh, and just knowing what life has been like in Eugene for, for UCLA teams, you'd probably expect the latter. This is going to be an ugly game. It's going to be a slop fest. We are going to have to take care of the ball, absolutely. If we're turning over the ball in this game, we're done. And more than that, I, we're going to need to hit some shots to win this game. Because um, it's going to be a slop fest. The team that can just make a few shots is probably going to end up with the advantage. And I think the reason I'm so pessimistic is I just I don't see where points are coming from uh, against their size. And and again, I feel crazy saying it. They're not that good. They're 14 and 10. But hey, I mean, call me crazy. I I very vividly remember melting down against Oregon. I think it was last year, where they started pressing us and we 
which it felt like the first time in an eternity, just started turning the ball over like every possession. I don't know if you remember that game, and I, I have a feeling that Dana Altman is going to turn up the pressure again on this team. We we generally do not turn the ball over. We've shown that we generally take care of it, but for whatever reason, there's always this propensity to just start throwing the ball away against Oregon. On And I don't know if it's that ugly court or what it is about this team, but it, it just it always feels ugly. Um, and I, I'm with you. I just... I. I don't have a good feeling about it. I hope I am wrong. Uh, I hope we can, uh, you know, hold our own against these big guys. I, I think if Bona really keeps playing as well as he has been, you know, doesn't foul, can hold his own against some of these guys, then then we'll have a great shot at winning this game. Like. I'm not afraid of a guy like Will Richardson or Cuisinard or some of those guards. Like, yes, they can be very streaky, but I think what's going to doom us is if guys like Dante just absolutely obliterate us down low. I think if they if they get anything they want down low against Bona and Bona's in foul trouble, and we we just we're not going to be able to hang with them just because of the length and size down there. That being said, if Jaime keeps playing like Jaime played in against Washington State, then I think we have a chance to win every game. And, and I think we just need to defend like we have been. I think that's really going to be key. Um, the other thing to look out for, uh, Amari is the one guard, I think, on our team that can match up well from an athleticism and, and length perspective. And so if he can actually, one, keep defending the way he has been, but two, create a shot and actually hit some of those, then I think we could be in, in decent shape here. But yeah, this is a, this is going to be, this is a scary game <laughs> overall. Uh, I think we could see the Pac-12 won or lost here potentially, depending on how this goes. And, you know, it really, I think, is going to come down to the wire on that last game against Arizona in March. That's, it, it makes for an exciting finish to the end of the season, but I'd much rather be in a spot where we have the conference in hand going into that game, personally. Yeah, Amari Bailey and Jalen Clark are going to be big in this game. Um, we cannot let Will Richardson and Kuznard go off um, in, in any, any any way. And, and when Will Richardson gets going, that's when Oregon really gets dangerous, when they have an inside and an outside threat. Um, those two are, are going to have to come to play. Um, and, 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 and lock up there. And for everyone else, we're, again, deflections. We can't let te- them throw the ball into the post. One thing we did really well, and Mick talked about this uh, in the Washington State game, was that we didn't let Muhammad Gay just catch the ball right next to the basket or deep into the paint. We, he, he was catching the ball next to the free throw line, then dribbling, and the offense got inefficient. Um, we need to find a do, way to do that with their bigs. Uh, if they're catching the ball next to the paint the whole time, we have to send help. That's when they're they get open shots, the shooters can get hot. But if our guards can stay home, and if a Dembona at the very least, or whoever the big is, is there, uh, I, I think it'd be foolish to not expect some foul trouble from a Dembona in this game. So whoever the bigs that are there, we can't let them catch the ball all the way near the basket to where they can pretty much go. Uh, We've got to make it a little tougher for them to, on, on there. And on the other end, I think you said it, um, this is a big road game. Like we need, we need our best players to step up here. So Jaime Jaquez, 
uh, if you want to be in the race for conference player of the year and in all those big awards, like you got to show up here. Uh, we, we're going to need someone to step up and get us 15 to 20 points, uh, maybe closer to 20. Maybe it's him. So, yeah, uh, if, if we're going to win, we need someone to step up and, and hit shots. And we need a few people to do that. It's not just one, but we definitely need someone to carry us a bit on the road. So I, I think in this kind of a game, it needs to be so, like Jaime. We need the leadership of Tiger. But we'll see. Um, you know, I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. What, that first game didn't really inspire too much confidence. We were at home, and we ended up pulling it out. Uh, that said, we're better uh, than, than we were then. But, uh, you know, that, that length, that athleticism, that court, that stupid color, um, the fact that their Dana Altman teams just get up to play us. Um, and, and the other added thing here for Oregon that we haven't talked about is they've, they're essentially playing their way back into the tournament picture. The, if they get... I mean, definitely if they get two wins, I think they're probably going to be in the projected field next week. And if they just beat us, uh, that's probably the best win that they'll get on their schedule. That's their kind of quote-unquote resume builder along with their win against Arizona. So, yeah, uh, Oregon's going to be pumped up to play. So we better be. I mean, we've said this. Every every team that plays us, it's, it's going to be like their Super Bowl here. Top 10 team coming in and top of the pack. It's they're going to throw their best shot at us, regardless of who they are. And I expect that from Oregon State, too. Uh, I expect that from every team, even even you know Cal and Stanford are, are going to be at home. But I expect that from every team. And obviously for Oregon, they're a team that actually needs the win. <laughs> they, they desperately need the win. And, and that desperation can often power any team to upset a, a much better team. And I think Oregon from a talent perspective, you know, I know they've struggled, but from a talent perspective, they're just as good as, as I would argue, or uh, UCLA or Arizona from like the recruiting and talent um, level. So that's not their issue. They have guys who can play. Um, and they're, they're going to be up for it. So yeah, this is a, this is a scary game. This is a very scary game, and I think we need to have the mental fortitude uh, to step up and you know just keep that effort level up and that intensity level up on both ends of the court, and that's that's gonna be gonna be the only way we win this game, regardless of any other foul trouble or personnel like that. If we can do that, we again we've said this a billion times before. We have the shot a shot to win any game. In, in the country against any team in the country. So it was a good test here on the road on that nasty court. I hate that court. We all hate that headache. court. Yep. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll see come, come Saturday. Yeah. It's a Hopefully big... with the win over Oregon state first, Hopefully with the <laughs> I'm going to keep saying that because I, I don't know if you remember this, Kevin, for during football season when we played or or sorry when we played Arizona going into that game, you were so goddamn confident we were going to win that. No, game. no, no, wrong game, wrong game. That, that I was confident against Cal. I was not confident against Arizona. I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to go back and listen. But yeah, if we lose to Oregon uh, State, then uh, we're we're not doing this podcast next week. <laughs> like everyone out there, we're we're you're not going to hear us for a while if we're losing to Oregon State. Yeah. 
that would be uh, truly, truly devastating and depressing. But let's not go down into those dark thoughts right now. I agree. No yeah. reason to. No, no reason. No reason to. Um, well, cool. We have we have anything else going on? I know the the women's team uh, lost a, a a tough game against Arizona in overtime at home, um, but they rebounded and, and beat Arizona State, so they're they're uh, in the thick of it. But uh, yeah, there's uh, Oregon road trip coming up, and uh, we will see how this goes. We will see. We will see. Uh, you know. Never, never a fun road trip. The game's on Saturday. I'm actually going to be at the Warriors Lakers game here, uh, Saturday evening, when this game's going to be played. So, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll I'll have some some good news on the other side. We'll see. Well, I I hope for your sake it's not a double L. I really hope um. for my sake it's not a double L. <laughs> yes. The, yeah, the, the Lakers have been, been, been much better. Our, our boy Westbrook is, you know, I love Russ, but he's been the kind of a little bit of a mess for, for the Lakers. But, uh, yeah, I'm hoping it's not a double L. I'm a Lakers fan, too. I hope it's not a double L for me, but you're going to be at the actual game, so... There was a moment in time when it looked like it, the, the LeBron record-breaking game could be this one. Um, and it was always obviously like close, but because like he basically has to score forty points every game for the team to be competitive, uh, that's probably going to happen now. The game before, before this one, so uh, still, still we'll see a good game. But uh, yeah, I'll have my phone out most likely and uh, watching this on the side. Well, hopefully we get good news from both games. I will put it that way. Um... And yeah, if uh, we have nothing else, we will hopefully catch you next week. Uh, if we, we don't catch you next week, uh, you know, something terribly wrong has gone wrong with our basketball team. <laughs> so uh, we are all hoping to be here next week recording another episode, um, hopefully with two W's under our belt and going into that uh, games against uh, the Bay Area schools. Uh, And with that, we will uh, call it a night and go Bruins. Go Bruins.